Good morning, everybody. Uh, please do take seats in the various venues. Hi, David Gnomes and Michelle, who's there in Lancaster. My wife's over there, and Andy and Chrissy, and all the crew in North Preston. And for all you guys online, and a special shout out for Jason Street if you've managed to get off your sick bed. We are are sad that you are sick and ill. And Jenny's very concerned, your wife, but it's great to have everybody uh, with us from all the different sites. It really is. And um, they're right. Christmas is still alive at our house. It really is. It will be for at least another week. I hear some of you took your decorations down before New Year's Eve or on New Year's Eve. And... Um, I think we need to pray with you and counsel you a little about the 12 days of Christmas, celebrating Jesus' birth to its full extent and all that. Uh, the other thing to say, just to let you know about, is, is some of you, especially if you're online and I have a really big face, will notice on your screen that I have, because um, that happens, right? And um, that I, I, it's this, this, this here, guys, is not a cold sore. I was doing some fencing down the field yesterday, fixing a sheep fence, and I had an argument with a piece of barbed wire, and uh, I just want to let everybody know I won, but it did inflict a small scar on me there-ish before I beat it. Anyway, so that's why I have something that looks like a culture. It's actually quite bruised as well. For you, for where's Sam? Yeah, it was like both prongs went straight in. And I know, and it bled. It's like bleeding everywhere. It's amazing. Down the field. Amazing. Anyway, I know you all wanted to know that a lot. Anyway, welcome to this morning. In case you haven't figured it out, we want to be part of a church that has fun and, more importantly, encounters God. And our hope and prayer is that this morning, wherever you are, that you will encounter God in a, in a new and a fresh way, and God will say something to you. And, and I would ask for each one of us that you would... Decide, choose to say God. Even if you don't even believe in God yet, maybe, you choose to say, God, if you're there. God, if you're there, come speak to me. Help me sense your presence, because God's in this room. He is wherever his people are, and people that call on his name. I, too, am looking forward to Vision Sunday, for all that God's got for us as a church in all our locations. What God's got for new people, but also what God's got for each one of you. And um, I can't wait for that, for that Sunday. Um, but this is Anointing Sunday, an opportunity for each one of us, as it were, to, to understand better who we are and what God has for us in the coming year. And on that note, before I begin, I wanted to share a verse from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians verse 2, and just share a couple of verses from there. I have... I've been a Christian a long time, right? Because I'm getting old now. I mean, I'm not old yet. I'm still middle-aged. Love you know that. But um, I have... And one thing that I get more passionate about the older I get is what I'm about to talk to you very briefly about before I get onto the main thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So this is Paul speaking to the... Thessalonica Church and other churches in that area, with encouragement, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. And I, 
if I want to say anything at the very beginning of the year, is I want to urge you to live lives that are worthy of what God has called you to. With, with all my heart, with all my passion. You, you see, I've discovered over the years that as we give ourselves fully into which that God has called us, into the life that he has called us, in that place, we actually receive everything that we desire as human beings. And my longing is for each one of you that you would actually encounter God in new and fresh and amazing ways. That that hope and joy and peace that scripture talks about, the certainty that heaven's your whole, uh, is, is, is your home, and, and death is just, a, as it were, a, a transfer into that which is more real than earth, that that would become more and more real in your heart and your life like never before. Because it's, it's not just, just for the few. It's for all of us who love Jesus. And almost all that miss it, it's because they've held something back in their heart that they will not release to God fully. It could be your finances. It could be relationships. It could be a career. It could be all sorts of things that you've not fully surrendered across to Jesus. And therefore, there's kind of, as it were, missed blessings in your life. Because God can't come through in that area. Because believe it or not, even though he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants. He's given us free will to say, no, God, you can't touch that area. And so I, I urge you, I encourage you with all my heart, as it were, to live a life that is God's alone. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15, they talk about that, 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 that Jesus died because he loved us. And we, in response, as it were, are now his as we give ourselves to him. And then he then dwells in us and does amazing things in us. And as we come to this anointing service, I'm going to explain why we're going to do it in a second. My first call on each one of you, any one of you who calls themselves a Christian, a Christ follower, that you will be fully devoted to the life that Christ has called you to live. Half measures. You can live in a half measured way. Of course you can. God will let you do that. But you'll miss out on so much. And I want to encourage you and urge you, don't miss out on all that God has for you in this coming year, wherever you are. I want to pray about that, and then I'll talk briefly on anointing. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you smile on us as we make mistakes, as we do our lives, because you love us and you believe in us. And Father, I pray for each one of us who call ourselves Christians, Christ followers. Father, help us to do it with a full measure with 100% of everything, Lord God, that we may enter into all the blessings that you have for us, for our families, for our neighbors, for our friends, for our work colleagues, even people that we don't like will be blessed because of who we are and what we do. Father, I pray for all my dear brothers and sisters, he who love you, those who are struggling with areas of their life that they know that they have a tight control of. God, I pray in your love and your mercy, help them to prize their hand off it and to give it to you that you may then dwell that area of their life and bring all that you can bring and only you can bring into the area of their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, anointing. Well, if this is your first time in church or you've, this is your first time, like you've only been coming in the last year and you've never been in a church that anoints and I talked to one young lady this morning who went, so, Pastor Ed, anointing, what's that? Because it sounds a bit weird, right? 
Sounds a little bit weird. I, I know you Christians out there who are used to it. It's like normal, isn't it? You know, you're going to come to the front and somebody's going to get some oil and, and put it on your forehead like with a, a dollop. And if you put too much on it, it's going to run down your nose. Now, it, it sounds a bit weird, right, if you're not in the kind of church thing. So, so why do we do it? What's, what's the point of having an anointing service? Well, um, when the Israelites, way back when they came out of Egypt, God established anointing for a particular purpose. And uh, so the Israelites had, had left Israel, had left Egypt. They were on their way to their promised land to, to Israel. And, and, and God gives Moses, as it were, a blueprint, a set of blueprints to, to start the first tabernacle, the first tent, the first meeting place. And they then build the tents and the curtains and the, the lampstands and the altars and everything else that, that God has asked Moses to do. So the people come together, they do that. When it's all done and it's all set up, God says this to Moses that he needs to do. So I'm in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1. It says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, that's there, and the tent of the meeting, on the first day, the first month, place the ark of the covenant of the law in it. Shield it with the shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table. Set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand. Set up the lamps. Place a gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant law, and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of the burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting. Place a basin between the tent of the meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Then he says, take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle, everything in it, consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. Then he says, bring Aaron and his sons. These were the priests, the ones who were going to minister the sacraments and, and pray for the people. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance, the tent of the meeting, and wash them with water. Dress Aaron in his sacred garments and then anoint him. Consecrate him so he may serve me as a priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood, and, they, and this will continue throughout their generations. And Moses did everything just as the Lord had commanded him. In the very beginning of an establishment of God's people, God's holy people, the use of oil was used to anoint everything to make it holy. And the New Testament church pulled it through from the Old Testament, as it were, law and sacrificial system into the New Testament. We only have bits and pieces. James chapter 5 is probably the most famous one. I won't read it all out, but if you want to, James 5, verses 13 to 16. Uh, James says, if you're ill, call the elders together. Let them pray for you and anoint them and anoint you who's sick with oil. I, this, this, this idea of anointing with oil gets pulled all the way through from the, as it were, anointing stuff all the way through into the New Testament. It was as if... They redeemed it and used it still as a significant moment in the New Testament church life. And it's why we, once a, Sunday, uh, once a year, do the same thing. We anoint those who wish, those who are Christians, to uh, be anointed for their year ahead. 
Now, 1 Peter chapter 2 indicates that actually all of us are priests. There's no exceptions. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 say this. As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, and so not physical ones, but spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then on to verse 9, Peter writes, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you're ever feeling a bit fed up and down as a Christian, read 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 12, and feel cheered up. You're God's royal priesthood, his chosen possession in his sight, at least, even if nobody else. He loves you. He thinks you're amazing. And I, I love this little passage and think of it often, um, and it always cheers me but listen to what it says. Peter says, you are a royal priesthood. And we've entitled this message, Ollie and I, who helped me, the call to priesthood. You see, church, if you love Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, if, if you're a Christian, you are a priest, right? And uh, Peter says, like, there's like a calling to priesthood, but it's not really a calling, right? You are a priest, each one of you, Elaine's a priest, Grace is a priest, Phil's a priest, we're all priests. Why? Because we just are. And there's only one question, are you a good priest or a bad priest? If you're a Christian, are you a good priest or a bad priest? Because you are a priest. Priests, as it were, in the Old Testament, they, um, they represented God to the people, but they also represented the people to God. Well, we no longer need to do the people to God bit, right? Because the New Testament says that all of us can have a relationship with God now personally. So we don't need that, but we still need to represent God to the wider people of the earth, right? That's our role. That's our heart. And like I said, um, it's whether we're doing it well or badly. I mean, you might be listening and go like, I never realized I was a priest. Well, unlucky or lucky, you Oh, it is a great privilege. It is a great privilege to be a priest. It's a great privilege to, as it were, have that kind of relationship with God. But it's, but it's also a great responsibility that each one of us carry to represent God wherever we go. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 talks about us being ambassadors, God's representatives. Not just, as it were, uh, turning up, but actually being representing in action and culture and, and thought and word as well as deed the kingdom of God wherever we go. It's exciting when we do. God moves. God gives us opportunities. And as we shared before with Pauline, um, you know, we get a chance to share the gospel and people find Jesus. And then when they die, they go to glory. What an amazing privilege we have, right? And a responsibility, but an amazing privilege. And if, if you've not heard the story properly, go and talk to Amanda afterwards, and she will, she will talk to you about how Pauline found Jesus, just through her being willing. Now, there's, there's lots of kind of, as it were, meaning to uh, being 
uh, I'm anointed. But I just want to give you four very, very quickly, if you take notes one. First one is this. Being anointed acknowledges that we are set apart. We're a set apart people. Set apart people to God to point others in the world to that God. And as you come forward to be anointed, the first thing I would ask is that you come forward recognizing that you recognize that you're set apart for a purpose. This is your purpose as a Christian, is to represent God to people. And it's a purpose you can never let go of. Like I said, you want to do it well or badly, that's it. But it's a purpose we can never let go of. And it is a privilege, as I said before. And we... We represent as a set of partners to each other as well. And this special relationship with God that we have, we're called to share. Secondly, being anointed signifies that we are holy. We are made holy by God or pure, without fault. And it's done by the work of Jesus on the cross. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Paul puts it like this. And this is what some of you were, and he's just talked about all some bad stuff that people were doing. He says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Washed, made clean, all the dirt's gone. You were sanctified. You were made holy. You were consecrated. Justified. Justified is just as if I never sinned is a simple way of remembering. But actually, the heart of it is, is I can now justify that I'm pure. I don't know whether you realize, but if somebody says, you're a sinner and you've done wrong things, say, no, no, no. I can now justify myself that I'm now pure. Why? Because I can say, Jesus paid the price. He paid the cost. And because he's done it, and now debt-free. It's like, you know, if you speed and you have a fine to pay, if somebody else would step in and pay the fine, you're, it's now paid, it's done with. And Jesus obviously paid a very hefty fine by dying on the cross for it. But I can, I'm now justifiably holy and sanctified and washed clean. By, and when you come forward, for some of you, maybe for the first time, you need to say, God, I want to recognize that I'm purely and totally and utterly forgiven. Not for some of you. Some of you will come forward and go, I know that already. That realization struck me many years ago. But you need to come forward and say, I am completely perfect before God. Not in my own strength, but somebody else. His name is Jesus, has paid the price. It's done, it's finished. I can be confident. No longer should guilt be part of my life. And if guilt is part of your life, I want you to come forward this morning and leave it here and walk away from it. Any condemnation you might feel for past mistakes, past errors, however big and however serious they may have been, Jesus has covered them and you can leave them here. And this, this, this wholeness purity is a gift from God and it should give you confidence to do that which God has called you. Now, I know we can say, but I'm not worthy. I know you're not worthy, but God has made you worthy, right? God has made us worthy to represent 
him. And we can be confident in our work before him. That people will see in us Jesus. Not in us, us. You know, is, is that not the biggest fear of each one of us? That people will see all the faults and mistakes, the things we do wrong and go, well, yeah. I don't want to be like you. But we need to be confident that people will see us as God wants them to see. He will reveal that. Why? Because he is doing the work and he has made us holy. We go confidently in what he has done for us as priests, not in our own strength or what we think we can bring to the party, as it were, because it's about God. And this, this holiness and purity gives us that confidence, right? Now, I can't put, ask you to put your hands up. I wish I could. I can, but I won't. Because I can, because I've got the microphone, right? So I could do it. But, um, but, you know, if that's you, recognize it. And come and say, God, I'm going to claim the holiness that you've already given me. And this guilt thing, this condemnation that I feel in my life, all the bad stuff that keep coming into my mind, I'm going to leave here. And can I suggest that if you do that, you find a good Christian friend straight after and say, I left it there at the altar this morning at the front of the church. Can you pray that I leave it there? For the rest of my life. Not just for a day or two or a week or two. or For the rest of my life. It gets left then. Whenever something crops up and I'm reminded of it, it's gone. It's finished. It's done with. The third thing, being, uh, being uh, I'm anointed, it, it signifies that we are, are a blessed people by God. So the priests were being blessed when they were anointed by God. James, verse 1, sorry, chapter 1, verse 12, James writes these words. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Being anointed means that God's got his blessing on your life. I mean, in one sense, we're already blessed because we're his priests, right? And that's a blessing in itself, the relationship we have with God and being his sons and daughters and all that kind of stuff. That's a massive blessing. But he also wants to bless us as we fulfill the calling of our priesthood, you know, as we do things. And it is amazing, right? Those of you who will give all to God as you serve him, you will end up with stories which just excite your soul. The thing about, I keep using Amanda because she's, she's there and she's concentrating with a notebook and she has some great stories. But, but Amanda is a priest wherever she goes, right? And then Amanda comes back with these great stories and they're linked. And she gets so excited when she say, tells, tells them. So even in the worst of circumstances, this young lady, and I knew like that one, um, comes back with these amazing stories and her heart is blessed right and it's all linked up you see if you would realize who you are be the priest that you are and called to be then you have these amazing because god will bless you in and through every circumstance and we do have to live through every circumstance uh, paul just to um, make sure you don't think blessed means that your life's going to be swimming for the rest for the rest of your days, because that's not necessarily true. Um, in Philippians chapter four, when I find the right one, uh, Paul writes these words. Chapter four, verse 
10. It says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. I've learned to live in blessedness all my life, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, there's a, there's a blessing wherever you are. We're blessed in the sense of every area that we surrender. And we're blessed in the sense of we know where we're going when we die. And if, for me, many years ago when I was 19, the greatest blessing that God has given me from that day till now is not being scared about death and the end of life and knowing that Jesus has me safely in his hands. And I, would, and I actually believe that that is for every single Christian. Every single Christian should, should know that they're in God's hands and at the end of life it's all in. And if you don't, this morning when you come forward, say, God, bless me with that thing. Bless me with that. Now, I just want to let you know, for some of you, you might have an experience, kind of a moment with God, as it were. For others of you, like me, nothing particular will happen. But in a week or two, you'll be walking down a field, whistling, looking for the sheep. And you realize that actually God's changed something. And the knowledge of eternity will be in your heart. And you'll go, wow, I just know that I know that I know. And it's all going to be okay. God has me. I don't need to worry about anything. Because my future is secure in him. It's a gift, I believe, that God wants to give all of us. But the anointing signifies God's blessing on our life. And finally, anointing signifies that we have been empowered by God to do all things well. Matthew 28 verse 20 says that God is with us. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Acts 2 verse 14 we read these words. Um, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews, so this is just after Pentecost Sunday. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, and we are in the last days, God says, listen, I will pour out my spirit. Not in might, but I will pour out my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That doesn't mean us old guys are less, as it were, blessed because we have dreams. They're just the same, just trying to put it in a different way. That's it. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. God has promised that his spirit, his power will be on us and in us as we our priests before him wholeheartedly. He will give us the wisdom we need in situations. He's promised the words if we need to answer questions that are difficult and we can't. He's promised us to give us miracles when we need them, healings as we pray for people, words of knowledge. He's promised us spiritual gifts in whatever situation we need. He has promised to supply our every need. Why? Because we are his priests and we represent his kingdom, and he wants his kingdom to be honored, and he longs that none would be lost, that all would be saved. And these four things, being set apart, being holy, being blessed, and being empowered by God, 
I want you to receive when you come this morning and tonight, because we're going to do it all over again tonight if you want to come back. And in all the different venues, I want, I want as, you, as you come, is you to say, God, empower me, bless me, help me understand that I am holy and perfect in your sight. Help me to know that I am set apart for a special mission and purpose for you, that the world may see you and the love and the joy and the, and the longing that you have, God, that they would come in into the kingdom and receive his glory. Now, anointing has other meanings as well, I know, but for these four things this morning, I long that each one of you would receive them and would walk out empowered in them, excited that God's going to do something significant in you and through you in the coming year just because. And you don't need to force it. You don't need to drive it. You don't need to, as it work extra hard, but just giving yourself to that which God has already given you in every situation. God will create the opportunities for you to be priest to the world, as well as priest to each one of us who call ourselves Christians here and in other places. I'm going to pray for you all. And then once I finish praying, I'm going to hand back to the MCs in all the different locations. If you're online, stick around. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you call us priests. Not because we deserve it, far from it. But because you love us and that you died for us. And Father, you call us to be priests, to recognize this. Father, I pray, help each one of us to be good priests for you. That we may represent you in our cultures and our thoughts and our words and our deeds, wherever we go. Father, help those who need to know that they are set apart, that they have a special purpose and mission in this life. Help them to, as it were, accept that and get on with it. Father, those who need to know they're holy, that they are truly and utterly and absolutely forgiven and pure in their in your sight. Father, I pray, give them that realization and help them to leave their guilt and condemnation at the front this morning. Father, I pray for those who just need to know the blessed. Maybe life circumstances has led them to believe otherwise. Father, I pray, help them to see that in you, in the good times and the bad times, that they are blessed because they know you. They have you by their side. They have eternity. They have everything that they need in you. And Father, I pray for each one of us that we may know and have great confidence as we go forward that you will empower us, that you will give us everything we need to be to do this thing that you've called us to do well for you and for the world. In Jesus' name, amen.